everyone, and welcome to American Scouser Podcast, our Thursday edition. And we have the Thursday gang here. Well, I'm here instead of Galley this week. I'm your host, Timuchin, as always. But we have the gang. Irish Jamie is with us. Jamie, what's happening, man? Timuchin, great to be back. Scott, how are you, man? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm happy to be here. Another Thursday with you guys. Ah, good times are ahead. There's a lot to get to, actually. Uh, for an international break, there's a lot happening. Normally, international breaks, we just, on at, the, at least on Monday's podcast, we just listen to uh, complaints about the international break and nothing else. <laughs> but let's start with Jamie's Liverpool news in 60 seconds. That will get us going and kind of caught up, and then we'll kind of like go into detail on some things. Jamie, take it away. Yeah, absolutely. Cheers, mate. Um, so... Rumors today from uh, none other than Joyce, James, or uh, Joyce, Mr. Joyce himself. Uh, Diaz was said to be in Liverpool today, um, joining the squad and a possible debut on the cards against Cardiff. Um, not only that, in the news recently, we've got LFC and Spurs. Guess there's a first time for everything, topping the table in the sports positivity, sustainable or sports positive sustainability league. That's the Green League. Um, Tiago is back in full training. That's uh, good news to hear, absolutely. But also, the Leeds game finally got a date for that. It's been rescheduled for the 23rd of February, which does mean we've got seven games in 22 days, folks, um, from the 6th to the 27th. But uh, also, rumors coming out today that there's supposed to be a preseason friendly in Bangkok with Man United. Um, so that's two massive teams out there in the Far East, sure to draw a big crowd. Yeah, that should be interesting, but it also means, I mean, unless it gets cancelled, God knows what's going to happen with COVID. We were talking like before going on air that it was talked about before and obviously with COVID, it got cancelled and stuff. Uh, that also means they might not be coming here, which is not cool, but what are you going to do? So, Unless you were hiding under a rock and did not turn on your computer or anything at all, the biggest news of the day is these two guys are meeting each other in the final. Sweet shirt, by the way. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, in some way, I want to kind of like talk to you guys about AFCON first. So how much have you guys watched AFCON? I, I Shout out and thanks to our Polish prince, Mateusz, over here. Uh, thanks to his... Uh, thanks for giving me some access. I watched a few more games now. I did not watch any of the initial games, but I watched the last uh, probably like the three, four games that were aired, like the quarterfinals and stuff like that. But uh, Jamie, how much of this tournament have you watched? Little. So not much. <laughs> uh, how about... <laughs> Scott, how about All right, you? next. <laughs> <laughs> so reason I asked you guys is, so I want to get your guys' take on the AFCON. I know, because I catch a lot of grief on the Mondays podcast from Galley and Bickler. Uh, they're not very big on this thing. And I kind of like try to stick up for it. I think as a tournament, is it like my favorite tournament? No. I think most of us just don't like the timing of it than anything else. Uh, mm -hmm. Not the tournament itself. I think this was in summer. We would probably sit down and watch every freaking game because we'd be hungry for soccer. There won't be anything else. So we're probably watching every game. I think it's just <laughs> the timing of it and the constant. It's almost like any other international break. And even, you know, when we watched the game today and when I was watching yesterday, I'm more watching to make sure they don't get injured. But a part of me constantly roots for them, too. I know there was a lot of talk in the groups about, like, hope they get eliminated fast so they come back and stuff like that. But... I don't know. Part of me wants these guys to succeed. 
because uh, obviously it means a lot to him. And, you know, obviously there are players and we like these guys, so we want him to do well. Uh, Scott, what is your take overall on the tournaments, uh, whatever you've caught so far? Yeah, to mention, I, I actually was the opposite of you. I, I watched quite a few games in the group stage. And and since the uh, knockout rounds, I've actually haven't managed to to watch too many. Um, I I do think that the biggest grief that people have with it is was what you said the timing of the tournament, and you you likened it to an international break, but at the same time, an international break is just that it's a break. All of our players go over to their teams, uh, you know, across the world and play their international games. And there's no Liverpool games going on. Meanwhile, they have decided to make an international tournament while all international major competitions are still going on just as scheduled. Um, I have heard word that AFCON is planning on moving their next tournament to the summer. Um I did, did read about that, which I think is a great decision for them in terms of their marketing ability to actually have more people watch their games. Uh, but yeah, for, for the sake of, you know, our boys coming back healthy, uh, it has been a little bit strenuous to watch the games, to say the least, especially, you know, no more than Mane getting that, you know, what looked like a pretty bad head injury. Meanwhile, comes back into the semifinal and gets a goal and assist. So, hey, whatever works for him works. But um, I, I think that the tournament definitely has the potential to be what we watch the Euros as, what we watch the Copa America as. Uh, but it, it definitely is hard to be so devoted to it when there are in, uh, Liverpool games going on while it's going. Yeah, I know... <sighs> That is one thing I noticed with the tournaments, and I don't know if it was always like this. I mean, I watched it in the past. I know, you know, it's a totally different brand of soccer. I mean, whenever you watch these more localized tournaments like Copa America and stuff like that, obviously the styles are different. So what mm -hmm. the brand of soccer you're watching is different. And for those of us who watch, if you only watch Premier League, obviously the qualities are much less because, you know, you have the best of every country pretty much in Premier League playing uh, in terms of the players out there, whereas obviously, like, you, you know, the player quality goes down as well, so does the play. Anytime you watch these international tournaments, obviously these guys are not used to each other, so you're not going to get the quality you watch from a club team. But are you shocked, Jamie, with the... Like the amount of red cars, amount of red, like the head injuries like Sky was talking to, I felt it was so much more than... I don't like what we regularly watch. I mean, first of all, I love watching the African nations make it to the World Cups and things like that. Like, you know, I remember great years with Nigeria in the 90s, JJ Okacha and, you know, fantastic players. And they really do. Like, even uh, was it in Seoul when they, they scored the first goal of the World Cup and they'd done their dance? You know, like, <laughs> I just love watching the African Cups. I do love the African nations. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I have to read this, but yeah, boy says, Am I in the Mario <laughs> Castle? You know what, man? I kind of actually like this background, but I wish I was in Mario's Castle. <laughs> I gotta take the back crawl out from behind you for, for those listening and not watching. To which it's got a great uh, a CGI back. 
crowd with just a brick wall, but he does look like he's in, in Bowser's castle. Yeah, it does. But I yeah, prefer, like, um, Doom or back to the African like that, nations. I'm too old for that. Uh, so, <laughs> Scott, I want to let's talk about a bit of the soccer. So you watched a lot more. Like, what do you make of like the soccer overall? I mean, does it? So you said, for example, next summer, like, or the next one is going to mm-hmm. be in summer. Let's say, like, would you tune in and watch it only because it's the only soccer on at the moment, or you were like, hey man, I really like this. I'll watch it again. I, I think for sure, yeah, I, for sure, I would definitely be interested in watching more games because if there's no other games to contest with me, you know, having my viewership on onto the AFCON uh, tournament, then yeah, definitely, I'll, I'll be watching those games. Um, in terms of the play, you were you were talking about the different styles, maybe some of these injuries that are coming. You know, people the, these players are passionate, and obviously they they want to win, and I I think that it's a testament to the the tournament's quality and, and these players that are coming out of Africa and their quality that they say they, this is a big trophy. They want to win this trophy. Yes. And, and Mane and Salah have both come out and said how they really are striving to win this for their country. Um, I, I think that competitive play comes, you know, and, and with that competitive play injuries will happen. Uh, what I have been less than, impressed with is their officiating abilities i i feel as though a lot of these injuries a lot of these um tackles and and maybe even some red cards that weren't red cards are are all down to some uh we we can say unique experiences that we have seen with these refs over the last uh month what i what i will say is without trying to get too geopolitical like when you're always talking about africa you always have to beware of how those countries have been treated they're 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 so underfunded they're you know they make great players football talent that you really it's unmatched in 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 quite a lot of of countries (laughs) in my own ireland you know if we had half the talent (laughs) some of the the african nations it'd be amazing but and yes, the 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 officiating's been poor. There was the massive travesty where six or nine people died in the crushing, and you know, like we as Liverpool fans know exactly what happens there. You know, it's so yes, they're underfunded, they're underappreciated, and um, you know, a lot of people are talking about this tournament as, as being a, a laughing stock and things like that. You, I, you always got to be aware of things like that with with that with the African nation because they have been they've been trampled over. You know, so I, I think with good officiating, money, a massive influx of money would be great for their stadiums and their people. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a it's a difficult situation. One thing I was going to ask you, and as an Irishman, I, I want to see if you kind of like agree with me because I was mentioning this to my wife, and I and I think yes, Damien Duff the way, is the best player in the world. Yes, <laughs> with Copa, I feel like the same thing with Copa America. I feel like that tournament and Afghan to players in Africa mean a lot more than the Euros do to a European player. Is that just like an impression I'm getting? Because I feel like they, there's, you can sense the stress that these guys have. Because I think, you know, they go to your, most of them, they play in European clubs and stuff like that. This is their time to come back to their home country, almost like give back a little bit. I don't know if the pressure of that, but 
I mean, I don't know. I'm sure like you watch the Euros. I'm not, I mean, we all probably do. I just feel like watching the games that it does mean a bit more to a player that's in Afghan or Copa America compared to a player in Euro. Not, I'm not saying like the guy in Euro doesn't care. I just feel, I just see more tension and stress and the weight of the tournament on the players compared to the Euro. Is it just me? I mean, you you strike on a, a really good question there. Like, and it, it reminds me, I'm not sure of the author who wrote this and I'm, I'm not even sure of the director, but it's have nation's pride is foolhardy because everybody has it. Right. So it's like, Oh, well, my country's the best. Oh no, no, my country's the best. You know what I mean? Like, so in, in that sense, you know, weighing each nation's pride up against each other, never really going to win. Um, but I will say definitely <laughs> that you're probably right the african nations are, are definitely very proud of being african first and foremost but um you know uh, then of each and where their countries come europeans in general yes we are all europeans but we're country before continent whereas liverpool are club before country if you know what i mean yeah. so um Except the Irish. The Irish might be the anomaly to that. And the English, too. I, I don't know. There, there's a few out there that are, are very proud to the core, to a fault almost. But, um, yeah, the Africans love their football and they love their tournament, you know. Like even Sadio, like Scott was saying, Sadio said that he would give up all his medals to win the AFCON. Yeah, I mean, that's what I mean. Like, and you can kind of almost, even during the game today uh, and yesterday, uh, actually, like, I watched Egypt, I think it was like the quarterfinals where I went to overtime and stuff again. Some of the poor play is almost because of the immense pressure. Some of the, like, the weird decisions are like nobody wants to be the one who failed. So, you know, like, there was a moment today where it was just like, just take the freaking shot. But I felt <laughs> like they didn't want to take the shot and be the one who missed. And I think that comes with the pressure. But so, Scott, I want to. So, speaking of international soccer, let's not leave the American out of this. And uh, uh, thank you. So, on Monday's podcast, I'm usually, uh, when we talk international football, um, Bickler could not care less uh, and almost like makes a point to not follow the U.S. men's team. Uh, <laughs> Galley constantly goes on rants for the U.S. men's team, and I just suffer regularly with the Turkish national team. So where do you sit <laughs> with international soccer? On, on that spectrum. <laughs> That's right. I, I, will, I will let you know, first and foremost, I will not provide you a, a galley rant today. I'm, oh, damn, I, am, man. I am a rant-free kind of person. I, I'll, I'll listen before I speak. Um, but if it is my time to shine when it comes to speaking about an international team, I'll be more than happy to explain my opinion on the U.S. men's national team. First and foremost, we are in a very exciting generation for the U.S. men's national team. The amount of quality coming up currently and even talent that isn't on the team yet because they're too young is immense. The, the problem is, is that U.S. soccer, because we have no foundation to work from before this generation of talent, has no identity and no style of play that you can put players into and expect them to understand what their role is in a game. So we have a bunch of players, for example, our, our wingers, we can say yesterday's game, 
we started with Tim Weah and Jordan Morris on either wing of um, a, a great talent in Ricardo Pepe at striker. And you watch Tim Weah and Jordan Morris play, and they are completely different styles to the game directly before where they had um, Aronson and Christian Pulisic. The, the fact is that anytime you put a player in, yes, they should be able to exert themselves and, and show their own talent and show their own creativity, but there needs to be some sort of direction that they are leading to play. And without a strong-willed and determined manager or uh, coach, excuse me, uh, that leads our players, they won't have that. Uh, I, I will kind of end my opinion on this. I think that our talent is incredible and they deserve a coach equal or better to that talent. And I think that Greg Berhalter is definitely a roadblock in the U.S. national team developing to what sort of talent we have waiting in the wings. I think, yeah, I find the Turkish, and I feel actually the U.S. might, despite, you know, soccer being bigger in Turkey, I feel like the young talent is probably a lot deeper here right now because of, you know, what they have access to and stuff like mm -hmm. that. Uh, but I think, yeah, both countries, you have great players playing in top leagues, mm -hmm. doing well. And this just shows that it's just not a matter of having a good team. It's just not a matter of having a bunch of good players together. You got to be able to have a system that everybody understands their role in and how to play and stuff like that. And it's a bit of a man. I feel like U.S. has this problem, too. Um, it's just a bit of like managing of egos as well when it comes to the national team. I mean, we have this yeah. in the clubs as well. I mean, some part of the managing is really managing the egos. And I think it's sometimes a bigger deal in national teams because the dude that comes from Chelsea might think, hey, I know more than the dude that's here in Major League Soccer and stuff. You need a coach uh, in that, you know, like the dressing room that's going to kind of tone everybody down, bring everybody little and, you know, bring everybody together under their plan, not their individual plans and stuff like that. But damn, I wish I thought we were going to get you a good rant out of you too. <laughs> okay. Well, next time, uh, maybe if I got you right after the Canada game, that was the opportunity. I, I will, I will say if, if we want to bring up the, the Canada game real quick, <laughs> I, I can you like that fuse for you. All that yeah. <laughs> I, I can let you know that, in, in terms of our play, right, again, the, the talent was there to see. We had talented players on the pitch, but our direction, and when I mean direction, I mean the the decisions that are being made repeatedly over and over, the, the style of play that the players are being told to do was non-existent. The, the fact that we are going into a World Cup qualifier where basically – I can only imagine that Greg Berhalter is sitting in his hotel room throwing darts at the pictures of players as to who he's going to pick his starting lineup that day. Because you have, for example, an, an excellent, I'd say, from from the bottom up, from, from our keeper to the until the striker, I thought were our starters, should be starting for our team. And they play Giasi Zardes, Instead of Ricardo Pepe, who I remind you has the most goals, 
the most assists, the most shots on target, the most shots, and the most expected goals for this U.S. national team during these qualifiers. The most five most important uh, decisive factors for a striker, and you leave him on the bench until the 77th minute. And then God knows, once he gets on, we all of a sudden start playing well again. It's It's decisions like that that just made me kind of, you know, reflect on the fact that, man, we may not make a World Cup again. You know, we have all this talent, but it's it's a I I don't think I don't think we won't make it, but but the fact is that we have all this talent, we should be blowing away these teams, and we're not. And credit to Canada. Canada has an excellent youth setup. Their players are really really quality now. They aren't the team that we would blow over all yes. the time. They, they are a new generation of talent and they deserve to be where they are right now. But that doesn't mean that we have to stop playing as a nation because we're playing Canada. The U.S. team should be competitive against a, a team like Canada every game we play against them. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Is, if, we, um, if we want international teams and what they should be doing, I could rant on forever over here. But, <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll wait on that. Okay. So. Darren says if Salah wins, he will go on to win the Ballon d'Or. Which, so Jamie, we can't win and we can't lose. <laughs> it feels like when you watch this final on Sunday, who <laughs> would you rather have win? And you have to pick one. Don't kind of go in the middle and be like, "I'll happy happy for him." Because I've been no, thinking no, about thought, this. Like, who I'm am right. I going to root for? I think I'm going to be happy either way. I'm going to be disappointed and sad for the other one either way. But who, if you had your pick, who would you give it to and why? So I have thought about this because it's, you know, it's, it's, it's happening, right? We've got no other choice now. Are you uh, probably knew I was going to ask you. <laughs> up until today, it was all conjecture. Now it's actually going to happen. Um, so I have thought about it. And as long as Salah doesn't get injured, I think I can stomach watching him cry one more time. I want, I think I want, I think we need Mane to win. Okay. I don't. Well, no, I I won't go that far. I think he's going to come back a different player anyway. I'm going to backtrack here. Yeah, yeah. Let me step off the gas. I think I think he's going to come back a, a different player anyway. Um, but another notch, another notch on his bedpost if he gets the Afcon. How about you, Scott? Who are you deep inside, kind of I... rooting for? Uh, I, I think my simple answer here would, would definitely be Salah. Uh, Darren brought up that excellent point. I think if Salah wins AFCON, he'll go on to win the Ballon d'Or. And, and the fact is that that's a very realistic possibility. And we've had a player now who has shown the world time and time again for the last five years that he is one of the best in the world and still in my opinion, is somehow underappreciated across world football. And I don't know if that's because he's African. I don't know if that's because he plays for Liverpool. Maybe it's a combination of both. But when it comes to a player who's so immensely talented, and I, I honestly do think deserves 
every accolade he gets and most accolades he doesn't get, um, it, it would definitely be a, uh, a kick in the teeth to the haters for sure. If he goes on just a, another thing, like you said, to add to his belt. And uh, yeah, I would, but that being said, maybe I like a, a hat trick for both of them. Yeah. We can be happy with that. Right. Yeah. I'll take that. <laughs> I, I That's interesting with Mo. I honestly think, I mean, I thought about that and I know like, you know, there's been discussion, like you said, is it because he's African? Is it because he's Muslim? Uh, like why does he just not get the respect? But I feel like it's just because, People are kind of blinded by this stupid Ronaldo Messi thing. I mean, still have Ronaldo in the conversation with the season United is having. Just, yeah. I mean, can they just go away already so we can actually go back to being objective? I just and feel like because if it was just Mo, I would understand it. But like you know, Lewandowski. I mean, there's like so many players getting like screwed over because you know everybody's just fighting over these two guys which one is better and stuff just freaking retire so we can talk about it i wish one of them was just kind of like you know we could just make the call and make them all go away <laughs> but i that i think that's probably the bigger reason i mean going back to my question i do the part of me does want more to win and that really is the only reason right for him to get kind of like maybe more international awards and stuff like that but I think I want Mane to win. Kind of going back to what Jamie's saying, I think psychologically psychologically it would be better for him. I think it would mean a lot more to him, kind of like we were talking earlier, he said it, because I think it's going to be the first time Senegal wins. And if you listen to our trivia sections, I have baffled the entire crew with this one, that Egypt has won this Afghan tournament the most, but I think it would be like seven wins. This would be their eighth. Wow. So this would be just another win for them, whereas a, for a country like Senegal, it would be the thing. And as ha- I feel like Mane in Senegal is a lot more harshly criticized compared to how big of a god Mo is in Egypt. I mean, there was a documentary about Mane, and I was kind of like shocked to hear some of the opinions and what some of like the fans over there were saying, it's kind of like the, oh, he's over there in Liverpool scoring goals, but when it comes here kind of thing. And I feel mm-hmm. like it would mean more to him and bring more to him than it would to Mo. I mean, if people, I don't think Mo needs those awards to kind of know that he is one of the best in the world. And I think we all know if Ronaldo and Messi were out of the equation, that will be a lot more fairly distributed and he would get it. I don't even know why the international, you know, awards and like wins and stuff counts so much when it comes to this. Yeah. Uh, Cause I just don't think there's like, I think there's so much more that goes into it, but so BJ is given the odds. So if you're a betting man, uh, five, four Senegal. And honestly, having watched the games, I feel like Senegal is a much better team. Uh, but you know, Egypt does have the weapons to score. I feel like it's – I know I watched most of the semifinals. And whenever you watch these tournaments, even the World Cup, you don't expect usually the semifinals or finals to be really well-played games normally because mm-hmm. there's a lot of tension that goes into this. So I'm expecting like an ugly final. <laughs> but, yeah, I think deep inside I'll be happy and distraught either way. But I think I would rather have uh, him – Mane win. 
Darren says it'll obviously be a huge boost to either player that wins. And I, I think so. And I that's, I think, why I'm leaning towards Mane. Because to me, I think Mane needs that a lot more than Mo does. Psychologically, in terms of morale and confidence and stuff like that. So, unless, you know, something, let's not... Okay, I'm not going to say it on Jason. Yeah, <laughs> I can leave it off with just something interesting. And, and this isn't to... Uh, it isn't to go on a, a bet or who's going to be better, but but one thing that I am interested in seeing is they're going to be on the same flank. They'll be they'll be attacking on either side of each other, and I think it'll, because both have fantastic work rates back, inevitably we are going to see contested balls between the two. I think, and I think it'll just it'll just be interesting to to see. Obviously, to do it every day in practice that you know fans don't get to see, but. It just, I think it'll be exciting to see that as long as neither get injured. Yeah, it's a dream scenario and a nightmare scenario at the same time. So <laughs> let's talk about another good scenario over here. Uh, we kind of all expected to have a quiet January when it comes to transfer window. But thanks to the Spurs, we've kind of entered into the market and come out <laughs> with Luis Diaz. The Carvalho deal even though it's not official, it almost looks like a done deal, but I don't mm -hmm. want to talk too much about it because we've we've had a lot of done deals that were not done at the very end. So let's talk about the one that is actually done. This dude is here. Uh, I think today he was in Liverpool, okay? correct? They were saying like Thursday. Jamie, what do you make of the move and what do you think it says for the future? It's unbelievably exciting. I mean, you... you we waited all this time. We thought nothing was happening. Um, small rumors to him months back that we all talked about in our Discord channel. And everybody was like, yep, perfect. Summer, he's ours. Um, and we were forced into the move, I guess. But um, you got you, you to gotta love Spurs, man. They, they've done all the hard work, got got the budget price, and we just came in and matched it. And, I mean, fantastic. I mean, the guy, his stats are off the charts. I've been listening to a few different things about him, um, listening to you guys and, 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 and Bickler talking about him, and I'm just really excited. You know, I think he's 25. He's got every attribute that we want. The more and more you hear about this guy, he fits the bill from, from head to toe. He's a Liverpool player. Um, so, you know, we've got our Portuguese striker. We've got a uh, Colombian that was born in Portugal. Um, we've got, uh, we've got uh, the young English kid from uh, Fulham, who's also Portuguese. <laughs> So you know we're 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 turning into uh, we're we're taking what wolves are putting down and uh... <laughs> they will be jealous that's for sure yeah I mean like Darren says I mean it wasn't even we got even a better deal by kind of paying upfront paying cash upfront you know like how people are like I got I'm gonna pay cash kind of thing uh, I mean helping Porto get out of that deal and I know there was some talk about like with the Gruich deal as well some money owed there and stuff like that so it definitely turned out well so scott what do you make of it and like i said i guess my biggest thing is do you guys kind of like take this news and obviously we're all excited but do you kind of project a little bit in the future in your head and say this is probably what this means down the road 
Yeah, I, I think first and foremost, like Jamie said, hit the the nail on the head. It, it's exciting. It, it shows, you know, some progression in our team. The fact that we are, you know, prepared to put money in for the right player that gives us the best advantage moving forward. Because a, as sad as it is, our, our core that won us a Champions League and won us a Premier League will not play forever for us. And it's important to make a a direction of where we're going <laughs> before this ends. <laughs> BJ says Tottenham hot mess, right? And yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, definitely we can thank him for that. Go on, Scott. Yeah, um, I, you know, it's it's great to have the conundrum of. We have all of these great players now. What does that mean? And I think that a lot of fans are a little bit apprehensive on it. They almost say that, you know, this is uh, this is the goodbye call to Sadio Mane in the summer. I know that uh, him, Firmino, and Salah are all out of contract in 2023 as of right now. I know that, you know, obviously every fan, including myself, is begging to give Salah whatever he wants for him to sign a new contract, but kind of uh, contract talks for the other two superstars really have, have gone under the, the radar. And I would like to think that just because we've signed Diaz, who definitely fits the bill, checks all the you know boxes that we need from a, a player of his caliber, I would like to think that doesn't spell the end, at least just yet, so abruptly for... Sadio Mane and and Roberto Firmino. I think that it would be beneficial for both them and the club for them to sign some sort of extension on their contract, be able to play with us for another couple of years while they have their talent, because it's not like they're done. There's still quality players that are some of the best in the league that will win us titles. And just because we've gotten one fantastic player in, does not mean we should immediately be getting rid of another one because then we're in the situation as fans that we're saying, oh, we need more player. We need more quality players. So I think, you know, it's not a damned if you do, damned if you don't. Fans say, okay, goodbye, Mane, just because this is it. But if we're all calling for, you know, more depth in our quality, I'm sure the club is as well. I think part of the... I don't like the panic about now everybody's going to go thing is uh, just people who are against FSG in the first place. So instead <laughs> of being happy that money is being spent, kind of like, how can we spin this good news into something negative? And they're like, you know what that means? They're not signing more and stuff like that. So yeah. I think part of it is that. And the other part is, I guess we're going to see what the roles are going to be. One thing I liked about having him coming January is, I mean, we know it takes time for us to kind of like for club to have confidence in people and play them regularly and stuff like that. But it will be good to kind of see him on out there first because I don't want to. I mean, there is no guarantee that this guy is going to be great. Right. I mean, so because yeah. he's going to a different league and everything like that. So it's kind of like a wait and see in terms of how it works. Maybe it will help in terms of like a rotation, give these guys more legs. We know both Mo and Mane want to be out there like 95 minutes a game. 
and never want to come out and stuff like yeah. that. But they have to know, and hopefully they'll have good advice that as you age, you want to kind of save those legs a little bit as well. I'm sure they want to admit it and they won't want it. It's not like they're like old or they're like 34, 35 or something like that. But it'll be interesting to see. I think if nothing else, if Luis Diaz performs well, it puts Liverpool in a better bargaining position and better situation either way. You have to get this roster younger. Uh, yep. You know, as we all know, I know personally, uh, things don't go as good as you get older. So we just <laughs> found out today that Scott possibly could be our youngest contributor. So uh, I know the Polish prince, Mateusz, is very depressed because he thought he was the youngest. But uh, <laughs> as I constantly continue to recruit old contributors, so I'm not the oldest. So uh, I, I think we might have a couple more coming in. Uh, so I thought you were, for a second there, I thought you were going to do your best McConaughey. <laughs> so let's go back to the game traffic that Jamie was talking about in the beginning of the show because there's going to be a lot of games coming up. The boys are back, and the first game we start is in the crack of dawn. And if you're out on the West Coast, really more like late night for you, <laughs> four in the morning, <laughs> it's six in the morning for me, uh, over here in Chicago. But uh, we start with Cardiff City in the FA Cup, and then on um, Thursday we take on Liber uh, Leicester City, and then we go to Burnley, uh, and that, and then from there we go to Italy against yes, Inter really. in the Champions League. I do really, definitely don't like that away at Burnley thing because that's a physical beatdown game whenever it happens because that's what Sean Sean Douche does. They don't play football; they just kick <laughs> people. So. Jamie, let's start with you. Knowing this traffic, what do you, I know Klopp always says, we look at the next game and whoever is available, blah, blah, blah. But I'm not buying that, especially going into this. I hope not, at least. I hope that's not how we're doing it. So how do you see, like, the Sunday's lineup? I mean, we have, you know, like, Thiago kind of starting to uh, practice now. Elliot is in contention, and I don't know if he'll start, but he'll definitely be playing. I mean, we arranged a friendly just so that he would get his legs under him and play uh, during this international break. So what do you think we're going to see in this Cardiff game and then moving on to the lesser game? But let's start with the Cardiff City game. What do you expect in terms of lineup? Nabi was looking back and looking like a young Adama Traore all oiled up. Too. I don't know if anybody else seen that, but I did. Who yeah. Nabi um, is oiled up? Nabi on his yeah, treadmill. Uh, Nabi was all oiled no up. offense. Uh, Nabi is probably just using whatever Adama left on the bottom or the bottle. <laughs> that should be more than <laughs> enough for him. <laughs> Adama probably breezed past him. <laughs> just just glanced off him a little bit. Then Nabi is more like you I gonna finish that. <laughs> So, yeah, he's back. I mean, that's the one good thing. Like Darren is saying, you know, we have everybody back. Probably going to be the healthiest we've been. Knock on wood. Hopefully nothing happens in the AFCON final and stuff. These boys come back healthy too. Um, so we will have this. And now we're going to find out because this is probably, I know we talked about on Monday, one thing that we do criticize about Klopp a lot when we compare to how, Let's say, for example, City and Pep manage the deep squad. So we're going to see a lot of that squad management, and I think there's a lot of quality there. What do you expect? Let's start with the Cardiff game, and then we'll kind of look at it a little bit more. Jamie, shoot your lineup, or at least who you expect to see out there. 
Well, I definitely expect to see Diaz for 20 minutes. I, I, I expect and want. Really? Um, want or expect? Yeah. Wait, wait. Those are like totally, totally different things. Well, no, Jamie's the coach. He goes both. Oh, okay. Yep. That's <laughs> um, but I think, well, Allison was away on international duty as well. Um, so I, I expect, I haven't heard anything about his fitness, so I, I'm assuming he's totally fit. Like Darren said, again, the whole entire squad's back. So I think we go strong. And that's the way Klopp, in in gen generally does it you know he he does go strong even if it's the fa cup game even if it's the league game against the lesser side you know it, it like we all joke around like it, it's all well and good guessing these 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 lineups um probably throws a spanner in the works <laughs> so who knows so let me throw a specific name at you then elliot does he start does he play Give him 15 after Diaz. Give give Diaz the, the applause. Get the crowd warmed up. Then give Elliot <laughs> maybe five or ten at the end. Hmm, really? Okay. And then Thiago? Well, it might just be a bit early for him too, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, I agree to that. I think that. But I feel like Diaz, let's go with 20 based on how the game is going. Uh, but I feel like Elliot, I don't know if he'll start, but I feel like he will get at least one half. I mean, especially since we did that friendly just so that he can get his legs on. And what do you think, Scott? Yeah, I think what you said, I agree. I, they're they're going to go strong. I, I do believe that we are going to have a, a, a pretty um, first team lineup in, especially in our defense. I, I think we're going to have our usual back four in there um, as long as Matt Teep's fitness is. Uh, up to stuff, I, I think we will have our usual back four. Midfield three is is probably where the most um, decision making has to happen, right? Because you do have Naby coming back from international duty, you have Tiago coming back from injury, you have Harvey coming back from from injury, and I think that uh, when when it comes to a decision, at least in the beginning, Darren suggests. Hendo, Nabi, and Fabinho is what I'm thinking for Sunday, and I fully agree. I think that we are going to um, at least start with a a secure midfield three. I think Hendo and, and Fabinho are, are definitely going to be starting, and I do think Nabi's going to get the start coming back from international break, obviously earlier than Mane and Salah are going to, and the fact that he is, does look in good fitness, I think he'll get some minutes, but... Uh, bringing on Harvey Elliott is a must. I mean, being able to kind of integrate him in, in this first team pace again would be very vital, especially against a team like Cardiff. But, you know, all respect to Cardiff, they're, they're not Manchester City. So to be able to ease him into these first team level games and, and have some sort of really tough competition against men um, would be great would be great for him. Give him 15, 20 minutes and, and let him do his thing. I think he's fully prepared for the challenge. Yeah, I think, I mean, I mean, Cardiff is having an extremely poor season in, in championship and, you know, they're letting goals on left and right based on stats. I have not seen any of their games. I don't watch as many games from championship, but I guess we we're watching a lot of Fulham games. But, um, but it, I think like that's the, I guess, in a way, the beauty of the FA Cup, if you, you know, 
a team can kind of like really hang in there and not let you score. And then they might, you know, try to sneak one in from a set piece or a counter or something like that, especially with the high line we play, regardless of who we're playing. Dens, Hendo, and Nabi Fabinho. I, I agree with Nabi and Hendo. I don't think we see Fabinho out there since he's coming from international duty. Um, and I would not be sure. That's why I think, I don't know if Milner is back in action fully. Uh, or I don't know if you see maybe like Curtis out there and have Hando as a defensive midfielder. I don't know yeah. if that's too much attacking, but you know Cardiff is just going to sit back. There's not going to be a lot of midfield battle. It's going to be more about opening up a defense. So I feel like having Nabi and Curtis out there, and you have Ox too, unless he's playing up top. So it's going to be some interesting choices, uh, regardless I'm I'm not going to get up at 5 in the morning, so I see the lineup. I guess when I get up, set the alarm <laughs> at 6. I'll find out when when I turn the TV and who's out there. But so as I'm just excited like, for football. It's two weeks. That? Two weeks. I'm just excited for football. It's been two weeks. You could put Carol. <laughs> I could told put you, Carol you I've been watching freaking AFCON, man. <laughs> <laughs> so last piece One of business. I mean, before we kind of move on to the other games, and I think – it's going to be interesting to see this lineup because I think it will tell us uh, like what's going to happen kind of moving forward. Like seeing this lineup, I think will help us kind of figure out what we're going to see on Thursday. And then that will help us kind of figure out what we'll probably see on Sunday. I, like I say, my biggest concern probably is having those two physical games back to back. Cause you know, the Italians are going to just, if nothing else, they're going to give you a physical battle, especially in the away game. Uh, and Burnley is freaking Burnley, and you know, obviously we have we have Norwich City afterwards at home, but yeah, it is like a really tight schedule coming up over here. And this is when, I mean, like we were talking earlier, it's good to have the full squad back right on in time, so we can kind of, you know, make the best of it. So, last order of business over here. So we posted this actually. A little earlier on our channel so and then we can have some a little bit of fun with this uh so robo says the fastest liverpool player is joe gomez virgin more only getting like on all matches this is something that he mentioned in like a recent interview and we've talked about this before i know like joe you know like foot speed wise is amazingly you know as a center back is like the fastest over there are you guys shocked that that is the top three I was especially shocked to see that Verge is still out there. I don't know if that's going by reputation on the interview. <laughs> I I think that it's a it's a pretty uh, funny banter that we get to see among the players who's the fastest. I, I think that, you know, if you ask Trent or Hendo who the fastest is, they're going to put their name right on top, right? <laughs> uh, I maybe, maybe Robo's a little bit too humble or a little bit too comical to put his name up there. But, you know... I think they're they're all in, in, incredibly, you know, privileged in their abilities to run fast. I know uh, we were joking about how who who would win a race, and I know that you know my time's running faster. Done. Let's put it that way. And uh, <laughs> these guys are still going strong. Um, in terms of Joe, I I think that a fully fit Joe over the last couple of years would show fans just how fast he is, but we haven't seen it. So we can take this comment for a grain of salt because for as, as much as I would like to believe that he probably is up there because he's 
tall, strong, and has shown time and time again on his recoveries before, you know, before all these injuries that, yeah, he was fast, but let's, let's see it first. <laughs> and I think that's like, if the, there was a fight of Guinness on the line, I'd beat you all. Yeah, I'm sure you would. So, yeah, there was yeah, a fight of Guinness at the end of that line. I want to go back to Joe for, let's talk about, finish the Joe talk first. Then let's see who's yeah. the fastest in this freaking neck of the woods. I'm not going <laughs> to put my name in there. But, uh, so, uh, Jamie, I mean, obviously that's the most disappointing part of like the unlucky injuries that kids had because I feel like with his speed and ability, because he's a dude who could play like right back and obviously he still can. And with Nico gone, I don't know if we will have to call him or are we going to go to Connor Bradley in those games and stuff. But you would think he would be the one on the bench as a backup for uh, I guess Milner is always there as a joker card that can go on anywhere. <laughs> but what do you foresee for Gomez in the future? I mean, he suits the system perfectly with his speed and how he is on the ball and his dribbling and stuff like that. I mean, he is the ideal partner, really, physically, if you look at it. Um, I know we got Konate as well. So what do you kind of project, let's say, with, you know, coming up so for Joe here? There's, there's a few things to address there, right? Is Joe quicker than Verge over 100 yards? Apparently so. Um, is he quicker with a ball at his feet over 20, 40, 50 yards? Maybe not. Um, I think moving forward with, with Gomez, I think he is still a fantastic talent. Yes, he's been plagued with niggles and big injuries. Um yeah, it, it it's difficult. Time will tell. He's got age on his side. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got the best physio, the best help, the best squad behind him. We know the guys get behind people when they're injured. Verge and Joe together were um, were unbeatable when they were injured together. They were urging themselves together. So um, Matip as well is strangely quick with the ball at his feet. We've all seen his... his, his <laughs> he's going to get one of those goals, man. It's um, brewing. It is. Yeah. And and just one quick thing on, on, on Joel Matip. We all love a bit of Joel. I watched the, the Bezzy's clip show today, and we I found out that Joel Matip's middle name is Andre. It's very so, true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, apparently that's that's going to be the new thing. Everybody's just going to be calling Andre Maddup. Um, <laughs> man like Andre. I mean, he's brilliant. But um, yeah, ball ball at feet. I want to know who's the quickest. I want to know who's the quickest over 10 yards. I would say probably Mo or Virgil. And then I would say Joe somehow gets neck to neck with, with Virgil. Because I, I, I expect... Mo's pace to die down after 60 yards. Um, Virgil, I think, is just like the Titanic. I think he's just going to go. Um, <laughs> takes him four four miles to make a left-hand turn. Um, but, um, yeah, I think I think Joe's- that's the most shocking thing to me. I think Virgil has lost some speed because of the injury. He's not fully back to his, like, original speed. I mean, that was one thing with Gomez I always felt is – if anything, he kind of relied too much on his speeds, sure. um, which kind of like, you know, brings me back to like our next conversation here. But, you know, with his speed, I think he always felt like he can be out of position 
because he has that speed to make up and get there regardless. So we were talking about this and in our Discord channel with the contributors and, you know, who's fastest and stuff like that. And Scott is playing Mr. Humble now, but I'm pretty positive, And I can pull up the <laughs> court over here that you claimed that you were probably the fastest out of all the American Scouser <laughs> contributors. I would love to say, hey, 20 years ago, I would take you on or something like that. But even that would be bullshit because I was not a fan. <laughs> So, I mean, that's the thing. I was oh. the complete opposite of freaking Joe Gomez. Like, when I play defense, I used to – I mean, I played li Libero, which is, you know, maybe after I played it, they freaking made it obsolete. Nobody plays it anymore after they saw <laughs> me. Like, now that this guy is gone, let's never fucking do this again. But yeah. uh, so, you know, I had to make sure I was in the right position because I was not going to – I was the complete opposite <laughs> of Joe. I had to be in the right position because I am not going to get there otherwise. Look at, the so, fucking, look at the fucking comments, BJ. BJ says he has not run since 87, so at least there's one guy I can definitely beat. <laughs> oh, <laughs> That's good God. news. So uh, so to, uh, I guess, go against the, the whole humble beginning that I had, yeah, <laughs> I, I would uh, – I, I would put myself up there in terms of speed with, with at least the rest of the contributors out here. Um, one thing that I can say is that – so I, I'm a center back too. I definitely have an unorthodox body type when it comes to a soccer player. I look more like a, a running back um, in terms of the, the belly and the shoulders. And I think that at least has some benefit to speed. Now, I can't change direction. You give me a straight line, I'm okay. You tell me to turn, that's where the issues start happening. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm saying it's it's the, the famous motorbike power-to-weight ratio. Me and Gally <laughs> with our 15-year-old bodies are, are greasing. We're slipping past you like a damatriore running after a bottle of baby oil. <laughs> See, I'm guessing that you and Gally with your 15-year-old bodies would start ahead. So if it's a short race, I, I'll put my money on you guys. But I feel like you guys will wear out like in like 50 feet. So <laughs> in the long run, I'm thinking we'll be, we'll be off the sideline, have a cigarette. That's right. <laughs> I don't know how that's wait Polish a minute. This princes. is 100 meters. That's what I'm saying. A Polish prince could be a chance, but I don't know if he wears socks, so he might lose grip. <laughs> he can have his uh, running outfit tailored, I'm sure, because we always make fun of him uh, for being tailored. Well, gentlemen, at least the boys are back and we'll get to see them. Maybe we'll do some kind of a race or something like that. A handicap. We have to have some kind of a handicap to something. like golf. Uh, if we're going to do a speed race, so like BJ and I at least have a freaking shot at it. Or we'll be the judges sitting at the corner. Or we'll give water as you guys are running by or something like that. <laughs> we'll find a role for every one of them. Uh, Darren says the only thing that runs in is my nose during allergy season. See, that's always a good excuse I use for not running long distance. But I'm actually working on getting my three-mile down. More like I'm working on my getting my gut down, but it's it, it revolves around getting my three miles down at the same time. Well, boys, <laughs> at least the boys are back who can actually run. And I'd rather that's sit right. on a Sunday and watch them run than run myself. Uh, so we'll be seeing them in action. And hopefully next week when we sit over here, actually by then, by next Thursday, we will be talking the Liverpool-Leicester City game. Hopefully we'll be talking about how we beat up on Leicester this time. 
Thanks a lot, gentlemen. And you thanks come. a lot to all those. And Darren says, let's not forget. I know we can't forget. I know Darren must be, must be the first thing that Darren says in the morning and the last thing he says at night that we're going to Wembley. And yes, Wembley. we are. We actually are trying to send a contributor uh, to Wembley. But now that we found out the ticket prices, we're trying to take collections. There's a GoFundMe. Thanks a lot, gentlemen. And thanks a lot to all those listening, commenting. Give a like, give a share, all that good stuff. We'll be back on Monday's podcast with Bickler and Galley's 15-year-old body. And this crew <laughs> should be back with you guys on Thursday. Take care, guys. Up the Reds.